Blog Talk Radio. It comes but once a year, each tick of the clock, the time draws near, where there'll be hope for every team in the National Football League. Kuiper and Box Bump pave the way, predicting the names Kamish would say, Drastic's watching every day. For the prospects world they play, Galaxy's ranking, Box and Train. From Mobile to Indy displays, seven rounds of fun, whether it's this or relevant or number one. It's the countdown to the NFL Draft. Welcome to the DC Podcast, brought to you by DraftCountdown.com. I'm Scott Wright, and today I'm joined by special guest Charlie Campbell from WalterFootball.com. Charlie, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back. Always great to talk with you, Scott. Absolutely. And uh, seeing as how we're on the eve of the underclassmen deadline for the 2017 NFL Draft, I thought it would be a good idea to, to maybe take one more in-depth look at the seniors before the, the young guys come in and kind of steal all their thunder and, and absorb all the attention. So uh, we're going to be talking exclusively about seniors in this podcast. And uh, we're just going to be kind of jumping around, but, but let's start at the top, Charlie. And, and my number one senior prospect throughout the whole process thus far has been Tim Williams, outside linebacker from Alabama. And I know you just had a report about him that, that, that could affect his draft stock, which we'll talk about. But just as a football player, I, I think his, uh, his speed and his burst off the edge is probably as loud of a skill as maybe any prospect in this draft. Uh, he is just elite in that regard. And I kind of compared him to Vic Beasley, maybe a notch below Beasley in terms of that explosiveness off the edge, but not too far off. But he's a better all-around player, I think, than Beasley in terms of stopping the run. I think he's a little bigger. So I'm a huge fan of Tim Williams as a player. Now, there are off-the-field concerns, too, which you just had to report on. You can get into those. But uh, maybe what do you think about Tim Williams just as a player? And and then how do you think the -the off-the-field stuff is going to affect his draft stock? Yeah, I completely agree with you in terms of on the field. He's a tremendous talent. I mean, the guy uh, really came on strong at the end of the 2015 season, uh, you know, with the, in the midst of Alabama being in a title run and uh, started out as a situational pass rusher. But even in that limited role, he had 10 and a half sacks uh, as a junior. And then as a senior, he comes close to – that total again even though teams are you know very cognizant of him and what he can do off the edge but like you said his run defense improved he has that versatile functional size being you know kind of roughly 6'4 250 we'll get the real numbers at the combine but that gives him you know great flexibility in terms of playing on the edge he's so fast he's such a good athlete reminded me somewhat of JPP at uh, South Florida and Ziggy Ansa at BYU where just their speed and athleticism just jumps out at you from the start. And now, like you hit on that, yeah, I did have a report at the end of this week that some teams think he could slip to the second day of the draft because he had many failed drug tests at Alabama. He had uh, that gun arrest earlier in the fall that caused him to be suspended for Uh, half the game against Kentucky, Uh, but he had many failed drug tests at Alabama, and team sources have told me that his 
uh, his substance abuse issues are similar to Randy Gregory uh, coming out of Nebraska. And because of that, uh, a lot of teams feel they just couldn't take the risk on him in the first round, and they think he could slip to the second round like Gregory did. It's going to be an interesting situation to follow leading up to the draft. And and the one thing he's got working in his favor, even if all of these off-the-field things teams are concerned about, he can get after the quarterback, and, and teams are willing to overlook a lot if you can get after the quarterback. But uh, it's definitely going to be bear watching. And uh, my my number two player is Jonathan Allen from Alabama, who I think a lot of people probably have as the top, have as the top senior prospect. I gave Williams a, a little bit of an edge just because I think he's got that one skill that's maybe a little louder than Allen, but Allen's the better all-around player. Um, and, and get used to hearing Alabama here because my top three senior prospects are all from the Crimson Tide, and you can make a case for the top four. So um, we're going to be talking a lot of Alabama here in the early part, but Jonathan Allen... I guess my biggest concern with him is where are you going to play him? Uh, and, and if you're talking about a top five, top 10 overall pick, which is where I think most people have Jonathan Allen in the picture right now. If I'm going to make that type of investment, I want to play him inside. I, I think he gives you some unique skills inside as a three technique rushing the passer. I, I don't think it's going to be as prevalent if you have him playing outside defensive end and, or as a five technique in a three, four, so I like him much better. As If you're talking about a top five, top ten overall pick, I want him as a defensive tackle, whereas if you're a 3-4 team, I don't know if I'm drafting Jonathan Allen in the top five to ten overall to, to be a five technique just in terms of the positional value. What are your thoughts on Allen, and where do you think he's going to end up position-wise at the next level? Yeah, I completely agree with you, Scott. I think being a three-technique defensive tackle is really going to be his best fit in the NFL, but I think a 4-3 team – if they wanted to go to a heavier look on rundowns, you know, he has the flexibility where they could play him some uh, as a base end and really have, a, you know, another defensive tackle run stuffer in the game to really uh, help them with size at the point of attack. But I do agree that what he does best is rush the passer from the inside. Uh, he had pass rush from the outside, so he has that flexibility but I think in the NFL, he's really going to be at his best going against guards on the outside shoulder and just using his speed and functional strength to fight off blocks, uh, similar to Aaron Donald. And I, I think that'll be his best fit. And I agree the uh, value for a 3-4 team might not be there at the top of the draft in terms of taking him and putting him in as a five technique that maybe moves inside some and pass rushing situations. Uh, so I, I think that Allen really will thrive if he goes to a 4-3 team that plays them mostly at three technique and just lets them be disruptive and get after the quarterback. Well, next up, another Alabama player, O.J. Howard, the tight end from the Crimson Tide. And, and I think the best tight end prospect to come along, maybe going back to Vernon Davis, uh, in, I think that was 06, uh, so maybe in a decade. Uh, just physically, everything you look for. He's 6'6", 250, he's an incredible athlete. And this is a, a case where the numbers don't really tell the story with O.J. Howard because he was so underutilized at Alabama. It's like they only broke him out when they played Clemson because he had huge games against Clemson but then was uh, uh, in the shadows for most of the season. I think his best football is still ahead of him, and I think once he gets to the pros, he's going to be – I think he has the potential to be one of the three, four, five best tight ends in the entire league. Uh, a surefire first-round pick at the tight end position. And, and it's been 
how many years since we've had a surefire first rounder at tight end? So uh, OJ Howard, I'm a huge fan of his, and uh, uh, I just think uh, the world of him is a talent. And you watched the Alabama tape. I talked about the lack of production. There are so many plays where he's just running wide open. They just didn't get the ball to him for one reason or another. Uh, so, so don't go by the statistics with O.J. Howard. There's going to be guys in this class that have put up bigger numbers. But uh, O.J. Howard, uh, I think, uh, is, is, in terms of who has the chance to be one of the best players at his position, I think O.J. Howard's on the short list of all the players in this draft. Yeah, I completely agree that he's a rare and unique talent, and um, he's better than Eric Ebron was coming out of North Carolina a few years ago when he went in the top 10. I'm not sure Howard will end up going that high. I think it's probably more likely he goes mid to late first round, just given the way the teams are picking in the top 16 and kind of what their needs are and how everything's kind of shaping up in this early part of the process. But I completely agree. He's a mismatch weapon all day long. He's too fast and athletic for tight ends to cover. He's too big for safeties. Uh, he was like, just like you said, completely underutilized at Alabama. It seemed like they went to him when they were starting to get in trouble and he'd always produce a big play for them that would have a big impact on the game. And really, I think he's a player that really helped himself by staying all four years in college because uh, a year ago, I know some teams and scouts were, they liked him a lot. They saw a great skill set, felt he was underutilized but they also thought his route running and blocking could stand to improve. And I've spoken to them recently and they say it def- in their opinion, it definitely has in mine as well. And I think you really saw that in the Clemson national championship game where his blocking was just excellent in that game. So yep. uh, OJ Howard really helped himself by going back to school Uh, He could have, you know, maybe been a fringe first rounder last year, but I think now he has a real shot at going top 20. And I think he's definitely uh, a well-rounded prospect at this point. That's going to be a 10 year starter with pro bowl potential and could be one of the top tight ends in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely helped himself and become a more, became a more well-rounded player coming back for his senior year. Even so, had he come out last year, I would have had him as my top tight end. Uh, Hunter Henry, of course, was the first tight end off the board a year ago. I still would have had O.J. Howard a little higher, but but you're definitely right. Yeah. He he, uh, he became a much more well-rounded player. And, and his, the guy we just talked about, too, Jonathan Allen, he probably – that's the perfect example of why you go back for your senior year is Jonathan Allen. Last year he was maybe a fringe first-round pick, late first-round pick has an incredible year and puts himself in the top 10 overall. So credit both of those guys for, uh, for making the right long-term decision for their careers. Now, I'm going to kind of lump these next two players together. Uh, I have them four or five. I think most, player, most people have Ruben Foster from Alabama ahead of Jared Davis from Florida. But I'm a huge fan of Davis. I gave him the slight edge over Foster. And it's not that I don't like Foster, but I gave Davis a slight edge just because I think he gives you a little more versatility-wise. I think he's a little better athlete. He can play either inside or outside linebacker. And, and Jared Davis is one of those players, when I was watching prospects for last year, he's one of those players that just kept jumping on tape. I wasn't even trying to watch him, but I couldn't take my eyes off him because he was always making plays. And uh, didn't have an incredible senior season. He got dinged up a little bit. But I'm a huge fan of Jared Davis, not only in terms of his play on the field, his physical tools, but – outstanding intangibles. He's going to be that, that captain of the defense. Uh, he's going to make sure everybody's lined up right. Um, so I'm a huge fan of Jared Davis, but 
uh, it's hard to make a case against Ruben Foster from Alabama as well. He's a fun player to watch, uh, explosive. He loves to hit. I, I guess my only big concern with Foster is, is he going to be athletic enough to hold up in coverage consistently? And, and I, I don't want to put him in the same category as Reggie Raglan because he's much more athletic than Raglan. He's going to be a much more well-rounded player, much better range to go sideline to sideline. But given my druthers between Davis and Foster, I think I'd give the slight edge to Davis just because of the versatility. But I think I'm probably in the minority there because I know Foster has a lot of fans in the, the draft net community and the scouting community. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you, you and I are seeing the players very similarly because I, while I think Foster is going to go higher than Davis, I have a slight liking towards Davis more. And I think that comes down to me for, like you said, the pass coverage. I think Davis has shown to be better in pass coverage than Foster was. And I think that also instincts, I think Davis, uh, is a bit more instinctive than Foster, and instincts are just the key trait for linebacker success in the NFL. And like you said, I think uh, Davis has a bit more flexibility in terms of he could be a will linebacker in a 4-3 or a Mike. You can put him on the inside in a 3-4, and I think Foster's more uh, locked in as a middle linebacker in either scheme, and he's not going to be that kind of will player. Even though he has sideline to sideline speed, the coverage limitations, I think, uh, show up there, and that's why he wouldn't be a great fit as a will linebacker. And I think Foster's likely to go from talking with teams, I think he's likely to go in that, you know, kind of 16 to 20 range, maybe even 11 to 20. Uh, and I think Davis is kind of on the edge because of this injury plagued senior year that saw the production drop and he missed a significant amount of games. Uh, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if Davis ends up being the more versatile and the better pro. Yeah. And the problem too, for Foster is I kind of agree with your range, kind of that middle of the first round range. And, and that's about the high range for an inside linebacker linebackers that don't yep. rush the passer don't necessarily go that early that often. There are exceptions, certainly Luke Keekley, uh CJ Mosley, Patrick Willis. So, so that's pretty rare, rare air Ruben Foster's in. If you're going to that, that middle of first round range as an inside linebacker, uh, he's going to be in pretty darn good company. Uh, and the next player on my list is Takaris McKinley from UCLA. Uh, defensive end, outside linebacker, can do a little bit of both depending on your scheme. And, um, a guy who coming into his senior year, I think a lot of people had him on their breakout list, and, and he certainly did. He had a really good senior season and um, just uh, explosive athlete, uh, explosive off the edge uh, in terms of rushing the passer. Uh, but the thing that most impressed me about McKinley is the motor. I mean, this guy just goes 110% on every play, and, uh, and when you combine that with his uh, explosiveness, uh, it, it makes for a really intriguing package. And you can move him around. You can play him uh, at end or our linebacker. And I even, there was even times where UCLA kind of uh, used him as a middle linebacker and, and blitzed him up the middle, and he was very effective in that role. doesn't have great length. They only list him at 6'2", but he's solid. He's 265 pounds. He's going to run really well. Uh, and and uh, McKinley is the last uh, of the players that we've talked about that I have a, a solid first-round grade on. So just to recap quick, Tim Williams, Jonathan Allen, O.J. Howard, Jared Davis, Reuben Foster, and Takaris McKinley are the guys that I have a, a firm 
first round grade on it. And McKinley he didn't have that at the end of the year, but uh, he came through with the type of senior campaign we were expecting. And I think he's put himself in the first round. Yeah, I, I mean, that I, that wouldn't surprise me, given the need for pass rushers in the NFL uh, and what he did as a senior here. I think, uh, like you said, he's super fast off the edge. The motor is tremendous, uh, great motor. The effort is, is exactly what you look for. Uh, very much a speed run and chase defender uh, that I think is going to translate well in terms of just being a fast edge rusher. I do think he has some rawness to his game, and that's not surprising considering he was kind of a late bloomer at UCLA. I think uh, he needs to work on more pass rushing moves. I think he's a bit tight, uh, so I think working the hoop drills and trying to kind of get more flexibility to get around tackles because if you remember that game against USC, he had some issues with the length uh, that Zach Banner had. And as you hit on, uh, you know, he is a bit short on length, so being 6'2". So I think he has some things, some kinks to work out in his game. And that's not surprising considering he didn't come on until late in his collegiate career. But uh, definitely a speed rusher that's going to give you a nonstop motor from start to finish. And I think, you know, with the demand for pass rushers in the NFL, anything's possible. And I try to give comparisons sometimes just to give a little perspective on what type of player they remind me of. And when I watched McKinley, I kind of thought of Tom Bahali, uh, maybe not quite as polished as Bahali was coming out of uh, Penn State, but, but I'm sure any team that takes McKinley would love to get a Tom Bahali type of career out of him. So, so those are my top six. And, and then my next category, I have, I think, 10 or 11 players in top 50 range, which means basically late round one, early to mid round two. As you know, Charlie, there's such a fine line between being the 50th pick and the 30th pick. A lot of times it can just come down to team needs, the draft order, etc. cetera. Uh, so I kind of want to go through these guys too, because I think they're going to be in uh, the, the early mix, late day one, early day two. And uh, start with Dan Feeney, the offensive guard from Indiana, a player I'm a huge fan of. I actually had going into a senior year, a surefire first round grade on him. Dropped him just a little bit because he was hurt uh, uh, as a senior and didn't have a, a tremendous senior campaign. But, boy, is he a good football player. I think if you go back and watch the junior film when he was at full strength, uh, which I think is what teams are going to do, I wouldn't be shocked if he snuck into the latter part of round one. Just a really good all-around player, uh, as both a pass protector and a run blocker. Uh, he has that offensive lineman mentality that you look for. He's tough. He plays to the whistle. I'm just a big fan of Dan Feeney. I think he's probably one of the safer prospects in this draft. I don't know that he's going to be the best offensive guard in the league or a Hall of Famer, but I have a hard time envisioning a scenario where Dan Feeney is not a starter in the league for a long, long time. Yeah, and I think, I mean, he kind of was robbed of his senior year, and we've seen uh, guards uh, late in the first round. We've kind of seen some of these guards sneaking in uh, at that point of the draft, like uh, um, Garnett from uh, Stanford last year was a surprise uh, first rounder at that point. So at the late in the first round, you'll start to see teams kind of look at some of those interior offensive linemen and uh, as kind of plug and play players. But yeah, he had a great junior year. Uh, the concussion he had earlier in the senior year robbed him of a lot of time. And then when he came back, they had injuries elsewhere and he had to play some right tackle. And it just kind of 
things never really got into the groove for him like they did his junior year. So I can see where that could knock him down some. But like you said, he's a, a polished player, good run blocker, quality pass protector, uh, a guy that I think you can have compete from day one. And it wouldn't be at all surprising to me if he's a quick starter and ends up being a solid rookie and goes on to having a really dependable and quality NFL career. And help pave the way for some really good running games with the Hoosiers, of course, going back to uh, Jordan Howard most recently, uh, Tevin Coleman. So, uh, so he's been very effective. And, and just, just shout out, Charlie, too, if there's a player that you kind of disagree on that you have a lot higher, a lot lower, uh, we can discuss. Uh, next on my list is Chris Wormley from Michigan, who I think I probably have higher than a lot of people, but I'm just a huge fan of his. Not necessarily the most flashy player in the world. And this is a situation where I was talking about Jonathan Allen, how I don't know if I would take him as a top, in the top five to ten overall as a five technique. If that's the type of player I'm looking for, I think I would probably wait around later and, or maybe even two rounds, who knows, and, and shoot for Chris Wormley uh, because I think he can give you a lot of the same things that Jonathan Allen can uh, and maybe even a more as a, as a five technique, uh, three, four defensive end, just because I think he's got a little better length. He's six, six over 300 pounds. He's going to run pretty well, uh, good athlete and, and just versatile and great, a really good motor too. Uh, so I'm a huge fan of Chris Wormley. Uh, he's definitely a player that's on my prospect crush list for this year. Uh, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts on him. Uh, are, are you, does your grade differ greatly one way or the other? No, I have him as a late first-round candidate, and I was speaking with a team's national scout a week or two ago, and I asked him who's a player that uh, the media and the world kind of hasn't caught on but has the chance of going a lot higher than people realize, and he said warmly uh, he could see going in the first round because of that versatility being a defensive lineman that is you know six five six six three hundred pounds he can do a lot of different things he can play a five technique and a three four he can be an end and a four three he can move inside to defensive tackle uh excellent motor improved his pass rush as a senior quality run stuffer just a really well-rounded solid player and like you said not the flashiest of guys but teams really appreciate that flexibility and the fact that he is polished and he is a player that can contribute in both phases. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if he ends up going in the back half of the first round, especially because we know defensive linemen are always in demand uh, and a player like that with that much flexibility definitely has a shot at going on Thursday night. And I kind of see him as, as maybe a, a Chris Jones type of player who the Chiefs got early in the second yep. round last year, had a really good rookie season. So I think that's the type of value you get with Wormley. Uh, the next player on my list, Desmond King from Iowa. And this is going to be an interesting, interesting one to discuss. Uh, a very productive college career. And, of course, the big concern with Desmond King is going to be the speed, but he's a playmaker in the secondary. There's so much to like about him. But, but I guess where I'm interested to talk to you about is position because – he played corner in college, but there's been some talk that he could project to safety in the NFL. And I'm not so sure that being viewed as a safety in this class wouldn't be the best thing for Desmond King. And I'm sure he wants to be viewed as a cornerback because that's the, the premier position. They get paid a lot. But but cornerback is arguably the strongest position in this entire class when you look at not only the seniors, but all the underclassmen who have come out. So he'd have a lot of competition at corner. Whereas if you view him as a safety, 
Of course, we have some really good players there, Jamal Adams, Malik Hooker, Jabril Peppers, but they're going to come off the board pretty quick. And then at that point, I think, I think he, Desmond King would probably be right in the discussion with that second tier of, of safeties, whereas if he's a corner, I'm not sure he's in the second tier of corners. So, uh, what's your take on Desmond King? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you that I think safety would be a better position for him in the NFL because he is instinctive. He has uh, ball skills. He can put, do well in zone coverage, but he does have issues with speed. You saw that in the bowl game with Antonio Callaway from Florida, really gave him a lot of problems running with him downfield. And I think that, you know, for the next level, with teams wanting these pass coverage free safeties taking these corners that might have some limitations and moving them to that free safety role makes a lot of sense and I think it would for King too I think uh, he would need to maybe put on a little more weight to tackle at the second level as uh, he's going to have some backs coming downhill at him he's listed at 5'11 200 so Maybe he's a little bit smaller than that, so you might want to put some more weight on him to tackle, and I think he'll need to improve his tackling some. His tackle totals were good in college. He definitely is willing to contribute, uh, but I think he's just going to need to improve on his tackling form for backs if he's playing safety and cut down on some missed tackles. But uh, in my opinion, I think – that would probably be the long-term best move for him in terms of sticking in the NFL would be to move to that coverage free safety and, and be that kind of player in the middle of the field. And rather than staying at corner, unless you're a team that's running a ton of zone, uh, I think King, you know, would, would be better off in the long run at safety. And a player who probably amongst the seniors, at least probably has as much riding on that 40 yard dash time as, as any senior in this class. I think that's going to go a long way towards making that determination and how he performs in the DB drills and uh, how he flips his hips, hips, et cetera. Next on my list, and I'm going to kind of group these two players together because they're, they're, they're similar to me in a lot of ways. Taco Charlton from Michigan and Deshaun Hall from Texas A&M. And, and Charlton's a guy who's got a lot of buzz right now. Um, and to the point where he's being talked about maybe as a first-round pick. He's 6'6", 272, uh, similar size to Deshaun Hall, who's 6'6", 270, so they're built similarly. And, and the comparison I make for both of those guys is, is Chandler Jones. In that when Chandler Jones was coming out of college, he was kind of this raw ball of clay that you could kind of mold into whatever you wanted him to be. You could turn him down and have him be an outside linebacker in a 3-4. You could bulk him up. He could be a, a base defensive end in a 4-3 or a 5 technique in a 3-4. So I think they're very similar types of players. I, I think Deshaun Hall might have a little more long-term upside than Charlton. And, of course, Hall at Texas A&M was overshadowed by Miles Garrett, who's very much, if not the, the strong favorite to be the number one overall pick in the entire draft. So didn't get a lot of attention, but a former basketball player, I think he's a little bit smoother of an athlete than Charlton. I think he moves a little bit better. Uh, so um, th- this is another one value-wise, Charlie, where I like Taco Charlton, but if you give me the choice between Taco Charlton in late round one or Deshaun Hall in late round two, give me Hall in late round two every day of the week. Yeah, I think that Charlton, uh, what he has going for him is the size and athleticism and speed. Uh, you saw, you know, the sack production. 
even uh, as a junior, uh, he was getting after the quarterback in a part-time role, and then as a senior, he really came on strong with nine and a half sacks, finished the year well, was excellent against Ohio State late in the year. And I think he has uh, that pass rush ability to play on the inside and passing situations in a 4-3 defense and play end. And um, I think with Charlton, I agree with you in terms of having him lower and not a rock-solid first-rounder. And I think he lacks some instincts that I think uh, in the NFL he's going to have some issues with that until he kind of gets more ingrained in the league. And I think that's part of why – uh, he was a bit of a late bloomer there at Michigan. And then as far as Deshaun Hall goes, I'm I'm lower on him. I think, you know, I see, I thought he improved as a senior, especially in the run game. But to me, his pass rush was just too inconsistent. I thought, uh, I mean, you watch, he had a lot of excellent pass rushing opportunities across from Garrett with all the attention that Garrett got and all the double teams. And Hall had a lot of one-on-ones that just didn't seem to go anywhere, and I didn't feel he was consistent enough in his pass rush. I think, like you said, the skill set is there. I think he has a good skill set. But I'm just kind of curious as to why he didn't produce up to it. I think he has the potential to do more as a pro. But the fact that, you know, as a senior, he had four and a half sacks when Garrett was getting all that attention. I think that that's something that's a bit troubling and a bit of a concern uh, for his draft grade. Well, and, and that's, def- that's, that's the concern when you're playing against a transcendent special defensive lineman like Miles Garrett. And we go back to when Julius Peppers was at North Carolina. He helped the draft stock. Ryan Sims helped him become a top 10 overall pick. You look at when Mario Williams was at North Carolina State, uh, uh, John McLeod, uh, the defensive tackle, got pushed into the late first round. So um, I, I definitely think that's concerned with Hall that, that, that bears watching because you're right. I mean, he, he had the benefit of, of, of a lot of single teams that he wouldn't have had if he didn't have Miles Garrett. And, and odds are he's not going to have Miles Garrett uh, alongside him at the next level. Uh, and, and another Texas A&M player that I have right between Charlton and Hall is Justin Evans from Texas A&M, the safety, who's my top senior safety prospect. And when, when I was doing my work early in the season, Charlie, I was going through these senior safeties and I was very underwhelmed. Uh, a lot of the guys that had early grades or a lot of hype, I'd watch them, and I just didn't see it. Uh, for example, Josh Harvey Clemens, I thought he was extremely overrated. Marcus May from Florida, I thought he was a good player, but didn't wow me. And finally, I got to Justin Evans, and it was like a breath of fresh air. I was just really impressed with him. Uh, just a good all-around player. Uh, he, he can be that rangy playmaker. He's not afraid to come up and hit and support the run. Uh, had Eddie Jackson from Alabama not gotten hurt, uh, I think it would have been a closer race, but with Eddie Jackson going down with the season-ending broken leg, uh, I think that made Evans my clear-cut top senior safety. But I'm still a big fan of Eddie Jackson, too. I have him in the same top 50 range. Uh, he's kind of been out of sight, out of mind for a little bit here because he's been hurt. But, boy, is he a playmaker. Uh, very much the converted cornerback playing safety that he is. Uh, I kind of made the comparison to Malcolm Jenkins. Um uh, I, I'm a big fan of Eddie Jackson, and if he slides a little bit because of the injury, I think he's going to be a value pick. If you want a guy who can be that rangy center fielder back there, uh, Eddie Jackson is, is probably the, the best option in this dra- one of the best options in this draft outside of that top tier with Malik Hooker and crew. So uh, where are you coming in on the senior safeties? 
Yeah, I I have them. I've had them both uh, on the second day of the draft, uh, with Evans being a high second rounder and Jackson being more in that uh, mid third round range, uh, in part because of the injury that robbed him a late of the season. And then we'll see how much it impacts what he can do leading up to the draft. And obviously, uh, you know, takes that senior bowl opportunity away, which is too bad. But uh, I think Evans, like you said, he's a well-rounded player. I think he is definitely fit well in the NFL as a strong safety and a guy that can come downhill or be that eighth man in the box and really help shut down run games. I think uh, he'll need work on pass coverage in the NFL, like almost any safety coming out of college. But I think he has flexibility there, like you said, where uh, in time he could develop into being one of those interchangeable safeties that teams really like because they can flip responsibilities pre-snap just to make things harder on quarterbacks. So uh, I definitely think Evans could go very early in the second round. It wouldn't shock me if he was getting late first round consideration. And I think Jackson, the, the medical is going to be really important for him. Hopefully things are improving for him. And he illustrates that at the combine and in the rechecks and whatnot. So, uh, but I think they're both, they were both really having excellent seasons as seniors and well, though they should be good pros. At wide receiver, I have two seniors with top 50 grades. And for me, it's kind of a 1A, 1B type of situation. And I'm kind of waiting for this pre-draft process, whether it be the All-Star Games, the the workouts, to to differentiate between the two. And it's Cooper Cup from Eastern Washington and Corey Davis from Western Michigan. And I think probably the consensus is Davis is rated a little higher. I gave Cup a slight edge, but I think there's a lot of similarities in their games, to be honest. And, And Davis... When I first watched him watch his junior tape, I wasn't as impressed as I thought I would be, but I think he took a step forward as a senior. It seems like he's become, uh, got a little faster, a little bit more explosive, and maybe that was just my perspective. I missed something his junior year, but uh, definitely a guy who my opinion has changed for the better on uh, throughout his senior campaign. And, and like I said, I'm just kind of waiting for this pre-draft process to differentiate because I have him really close. Do you have Davis with the clearly superior grade? Uh, uh, what are your thoughts on those two? Yeah, I do. And I think part of the reason uh, for that was with the added speed as a senior was just because he was so banged up as a junior. Uh, and just, But he played through the injuries and still produced. And because of him, Daniel Braverman, you know, helped, uh, he helped him have a huge season and he mm-hmm. ended up being drafted by the bears last year. But uh, I think Corey Davis to me, um, and I was speaking with uh, a scout about him, a national scout, and he thought Corey Davis kind of reminded him of Demarius Thomas, except uh, not as thick as Demarius was coming out of Georgia tech. And I can see a lot of what he's saying in terms of the run after the catch skills, the surprising, speed you don't expect uh, him to run as well as he does but Corey Davis is an excellent route runner great hands uh, can 
push teams vertically, is good underneath. He just does everything well. And I think you see, you know, P.J. Fleck, his head coach at Western Michigan, was the wide receivers coach with the Buccaneers before taking that job at Western Michigan. And I think you see the uh, with the polish that Davis has, I think you can see that pro coaching that he's had in college. So I think he's going to come in and be a receiver that's able to contribute quickly. And I think, you know, Cup is definitely, I mean, the guy catches everything. He does everything that goes his direction, he catches. And he has underrated speed as well and athleticism, yep. excellent route runner. Uh, so I think he's probably going to end up going on day two, but I think he's going to be a valuable receiver, a starter, a fan favorite. And I, I think he's going to have, they're both going to have good pro careers. I'd be surprised if either one of those guys didn't work out. And cup also really stepped up against the higher level of competition when he had the opportunity. Yeah. The stage was never too big for him, even though he's come from a smaller school uh, in regards to Davis at wide receiver this year, it seems like it's going to be Mike Williams from Clemson and then, a big drop off to, to that next tier. Do you see Davis in that next tier? Do you see him as the top of the next tier? Where do you kind of see him in this wide receiver mix, uh, especially draft range? Do you, do you have him as a first round pick? I think he could go late first. I think um, if he doesn't go late first, he should go early second. Uh, uh, but I do agree with you that I think he's in the second tier after Mike Williams. I think it'll be uh, above him and John Ross. I think Cortland Sutton would have been in there as well before he decided to go back for his senior year. But I think that uh, Ross and Davis are the guys that have a shot at going in the first round uh, after Mike Williams and Mike Williams might go in that 10 to 20 range. And then I think Davis and Ross could be not too far behind given that there are teams that need receivers picking in the back half of the first round. Up next, another Crimson Tide player, Ryan Anderson out of Alabama. Uh, it's overshadowed to a certain degree by the Jonathan Allens and the Tim Williams of the world, but very productive and a guy who just gets the job done. He doesn't have uh, the, the length that uh, Tim Williams does. He's not as good of an athlete or as fast, but it's certainly hard to argue with the results, Charlie. Uh, I like him. I don't love Ryan Anderson. I, I, I kind of see him as maybe a Courtney Upshaw type of, of presence at the next level. I think he's a little bit uh, smaller, a little bit better of an athlete than Upshaw, but I don't know that I see him being a featured edge pass rusher at the next level. I think he's going to be more of a solid, good, all-around player, maybe a, a Derek Morgan type, uh, poor man's Derek Morgan, that type of player. Uh, but I mean, you watch the games, Ryan Anderson's constantly making plays on a very, very talented defense. So that has to go for something. Yeah, exactly. He's kind of like the, uh, you know, the, the clutch guy, you know, he's not the superstar, but you know, when, when a clutch play needs to be made, a fumble recovery, uh, a third down pressure, he kind of comes through. He has a good motor, um, like you said, there's some limitations for him athletically just in terms of speed and length and strength uh, for the NFL. So I wouldn't expect him 
to produce nine sacks in the NFL like he did as a senior uh, this year. I think he's you know, his skill set just doesn't speak to that for the pros, but I think he'll just be a real solid lunch pail kind of player, a guy that carves out a role for him in the NFL, does a little something of everything, is tough against the run, and contributes some pass rush and blitz here and there, probably will be a good special teams player as well. So I don't think he's going to be a flashy or dominant kind of player, but I think he's just going to be a solid contributor and he'll end up being one of those guys that, uh, you know, rewards his team with good effort and, and comes through when they need him, and will be able to do a variety of things. Seems like a Baltimore Ravens type of player. I mentioned Upshaw, you think of Jarrett Johnson, that type of player. seems like they've had a few of them over the years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's a good comparison. And, and the last guy I have in my top 50 range is Trey Davius White from LSU. And, and we'll go on and talk a little bit about corners because there's, there's a bunch of them to talk about. But I went with Trey Davius White as my number two corner behind Desmond King uh, just because I, I think he's, he has a, a different level of, of athleticism, of uh, fluidness than, than even King has or Cordrea Tankersley and, and some of the guys he's competing for draft position with. So uh, I'm a big fan of Trey Davis White and program pedigree. LSU's done a pretty good job of sending defensive backs to the pros in recent years, so you know he's been coached up well. Uh, he's going to check all the boxes physical tools-wise. Um, where do you come at? We talked about Desmond King earlier, but how does like your next group of corners break down because for me I went Trey Davis White two uh number three I went with Cordrea Tankersley four I went with Jordan Lewis from Michigan so uh is that kind of your same second tier do you have an order differently what are your thoughts on those those, second tier senior corners yeah I have those guys all in the same range um in terms of the senior corners and I think where they end up going in the draft is going to you'll have some juniors mixed in and they're kind of in that second round group. Maybe you'd have Gary and Conley uh, from Ohio state in that group as well. And, um, but I, I do see Tredavious as kind of a solid second round pick. I think uh, he has excellent cover skills. You see his ability to run with receivers, run the route, uh, keep them from getting separation. He contributes as a returner as well. I think the thing that he can struggle with is size and big receivers and even last uh, as a junior, I think that was really apparent against Mississippi State with Deronya Wilson and some of these other big wideouts that kind of box him out and give him issues uh, because he is good at preventing separation, but on those 50-50 balls, I think he's going to have problems with a lot of these big wideouts in the NFL, whether it's like Mike Evans or DeAndre Hopkins or players like that that are really adept at winning those 50-50 passes. I think Tredavious has to improve that, and I think that's kind of why he's more in that second-round range rather than being a first-rounder like we've seen with some other LSU corners. But he definitely has man-to-man skills, and those are in demand. So I'd be surprised if he got out of the second round. And Cordray Tankersley from Clemson, he was a player who disappointed me a little bit. I, I didn't like him as much as I thought I was going to once I took a really hard, in-depth look. And I guess my biggest concern is a little stiff, especially when you compare him to mm-hmm. White, who I think is more of a fluid athlete. I, I think yeah. uh, Tankersley's going to have some limitations in terms of flipping his hips. Uh, so even though 
King, uh, or excuse me, White and Tankersley, they're, they're similar sizes, but I think they're very different types of players. And then Jordan Lewis, too, from Michigan. I'm kind of adverse to taking players like Jordan Lewis early in the draft, uh, maybe nickel corners, if you will, just because he lacks that, that size you look for. He's a little undersized, but the more I watched him, he just continues to grow on me because he just makes plays. And uh, I, yep. I'm still reluctant to take a player in the top 50, top top couple rounds that I don't view as a surefire starting corner, but I guess you could make a very good argument that a nickel corner is a starting player in this day and age, and, and Lewis is a really good one. So he's grow, he has absolutely grown on me. Yeah, I, I completely agree that, he, you know, the more you watch him, the more you like because he's just gritty as hell and he just makes plays and produces uh, for his team. And I, I think Tankersley is really a love-hate prospect in talking with scouts around the around different teams. Like some scouts really like that. him. Uh, and others think of him as just being a very limited player. And I think it really also comes down to scheme and he's going to be a scheme specific kind of guy. I think uh, teams that are wanting to play press man or having him in zone, I think are going to be more inclined to him, but the teams that play more off man coverage where he needs to, flip his hips and run. Like you said, he's a bit stiff for that. So I think it's going to be a real scheme specific kind of question for those guys with Tankersley and Lewis as well as the team solid on the outside and they need a nickel corner. Uh, then I think Lewis is going to have more of an appeal to them, but uh, it's just going to, I think for a lot of these cornerbacks on round two, that's going to be the big kind of determining factor as to how they come across, how they come off the board and not so much about their skill set or what they did in college as a player, but more of how they're going to fit with the team and what that team needs. Where are you at on Jake Butt, the tight end for Michigan? And, and of course, his stock is going to be up in the air a little bit now because he, he tore his ACL in the, the bowl game, unfortunately. So I think that's going to have an impact. But even before that, I wasn't high, nearly as high on him as a lot of people. Uh, yeah, me too. I, I watched him, and I just didn't see anything he does special. He does everything pretty good. Uh, you know, he, he's a good pass catcher, but it's not like he's Kobe Fleener where he's going to run uh, just an incredible 40 time. He he's a good player in terms of his blocking. He's feisty, but not great. I just, I just don't see anything truly special about Jake, Butt. I certainly never saw him as a first round prospect. Like some did. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jake, Butt? yeah, I never saw him as a first rounder and in preseason prep thought he was a solid kind of day two wide uh, receiving tight end, but his blocking as a junior really underwhelmed me. And I thought he blocked much better as a senior. Uh, I thought his attitude towards it was greatly improved. And so much of blocking for tight ends comes down to that and just want to. And I think uh, he showed a big improvement as a blocker, but as a receiver, I thought he's, he's solid, but he's not special. He's not like OJ Howard, or he isn't like, uh, David Njoku, the uh, early entry from Miami, or even Gerald Everett from South Alabama. Um, he isn't that caliber of mismatch tight end receiver. And I think as a result with this injury, I think he's more likely to be kind of a mid-rounder 
especially after the injury. I think but prior to the injury, maybe he could have been a late second-round pick to early third, but I think with this injury, it could drop him to very end of the third round. Wouldn't surprise me if he slipped to the fourth because with that injury happening in his bowl game, you know, after the turn of the year, he might play, he might miss half of his rookie season. He might start on PUP and you don't know how the rehab's going to go, if there's going to be setbacks. So there's the possibility that he could miss his entire rookie year. And, uh, you know, that's going to hurt his draft stock very much. And so I I wasn't blown away by him like you. And I think with the injury, it's just kind of pushing him down into the mid-round range. And Evan Ingram from Ole Miss is a player I definitely like. Now, he's not going to be a fit for everyone. He's going to be very much a right. scheme-specific type of player. But in the right situation, I think he can be an Aaron Hernandez or Jordan Reed type of player, very much a, a kind of a wide receiver in an H-back's body. Uh, that, that's going to be his role. You can flex him out. He's not going to give you much as a blocker, but as a pure pass-catching threat. I like Ingram because as opposed to Butt, he gives you something special. There's one trait where you can say, okay, yep. he does this really well. Uh, so, so that's why I like Ingram a little bit better. Uh, but where do you think Ingram's going to go? Because we've seen players like him slide a little bit in the draft. I am as a day two pick. Do you think he'll go on day two or you think he's going to be a mid round value? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think he's a Jordan Reed clone. And I think, uh, except he's been a bit more durable. Um, even at Florida, Jordan Reed could get dinged up. Uh, but I think Ingram was more durable at, uh, old Miss. And hopefully he can avoid the injuries that Reed has had in the NFL. But Reed is, when he's healthy, is a dynamic receiving tight end. He's a mismatch weapon that's really hard on defenses. And I think Ingram's a clone of that, and he'll have that role in the NFL. And I think uh, Ingram maybe has a shot going late second, but I think more likely probably in the third round, like Jordan Reed. And I think he's going to end up outperforming that draft stock and his replacement in terms of what he gives his team as a mismatch receiving tight end and a guy uh, that can produce through the air with yards and touchdowns and will be a real weapon on third down and in the red zone. So uh, I really like Ingram and I think he's being undervalued and underrated a little bit. All right, we're going to take just a really quick break, and then we're going to come right back, and we're going to talk about some offensive tackles. All right, and we're back, and I want to talk about the offensive tackles, Charlie, because this is not a great crop of blockers. I think it's going to be dominated, at least at the top, by underclassmen, and I'm interested to see how you have these offensive linemen ranked. And for me, I went – I went with Forrest as my number one tackle. I have Forrest Lamp from Western Kentucky right now uh, who could also project inside the guard. In fact, I think he will ultimately be a guard. But for the time being, I'm still giving him the benefit of the doubt because I I watched him against Alabama, and he did a pretty darn good job. And It's one of those situations where um, I want to see him prove he can't do it before I move him from the less valuable position. So I have Forrest Lamp, one, Antonio Garcia from Troy, two, and Deion Dawkins from Temple, three. And Dawkins, I wasn't overly impressed with. To me, he's more of a fringe day two, day three guy. He played left tackle. I think he's going to be more of a right tackle at the next level. Uh, Not a great athlete. He's got really good size, but uh, nothing necessarily special about his game. Whereas Antonio Garcia, this guy looks the part. I mean, he looks like a power forward. He's 6'7", 300 pounds. He's a terrific athlete. And the the first in-depth look I took at 
Antonio Garcia, I was a little disappointed because I watched him in the bowl game against Ohio, and Terrell Basham, their pass rusher, was was doing a pretty good job against him. Uh, but that was just a case of Basham's a better player than I thought, I think, because then I went back and watched some more Garcia, and he was uh, much better, I think, against other competition. So I think he's kind of a wild card in this draft. He's going to go earlier than a lot of people realize, and he's not getting a, little, a lot of pub right now, but has a chance to maybe be the first senior tackle off the guard where are you at with these senior tackles? And do you have them similarly ranked? Is there somebody I didn't mention that you think should be in that conversation? Well, I I think Dawkins uh, I would have over the other two. And with Dawkins, I, in my opinion, he I think he's going to be best as moving inside to guard in the NFL. And I know some teams that think he can play left tackle. They think he's a day two prospect with athletic ability. Um, and I, you know, I know some teams really like them and other teams are just kind of, you know, lukewarm on them, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up going in the second round with that flexibility and the demand at the position and the lack of talent in it overall. And I think for Garcia, the senior bowl's just going to be critical. I mean, it's going to be huge as to say yeah. how high he'll end up going with how he does and those pass rushing one-on-ones and if teams will see and think that he can be a left tackle or maybe he needs to move to the right side. So uh, I think it's just going to be critical for him to have a good week there at the senior bowl in order for him to go, you know, and have that chance of going in the second round. And I thought Lamp played well as a senior as well. I agreed with you. And I thought, uh, you know, the, the moving inside is probably going to be the best bet for him in the NFL, but we'll see, you know, maybe at senior bowl, he'll prove me wrong there and show that he can stay at tackle. So I think the senior bowl is just going to be so critical for those guys uh, coming, you know, especially coming from Western Kentucky and Troy and having a bit less value in terms of competition and the tape they're going against. So going against the all-stars in Mobile, I think will be huge for those guys. And if they do well, I could see them both really rising because this is such a weak tackle draft and there's a demand for that position around the league. Well, with Lamp, I think back to James Carpenter's situation when he was coming out of Alabama where he played left tackle for the Crimson Tide. Everybody just assumed he was going to move inside to guard, but he went down to the senior bowl and looked so good at left tackle uh, that, that uh, it, it kept open that possibility. But because this is such a weak offensive tackle class, is there a, a blocker in, say, round three, round four, round five that, that you like that you would be targeting if you were in the market for a tackle? Because teams are going to have to get kind yeah, of creative this a- year. Yeah, there is a sleeper that I like, and that's uh, Javarius Lehman from uh, South Carolina State. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that really hasn't gotten much attention or much acclaim, um, but he's, I mean, he is uh, athletic, extremely athletic, above average to anchor. Uh, he can be a little finesse at times, but I think he just has the skill set of a starting left tackle in the NFL. He's just going to need some development coming from that level of competition. The other thing that he 
has the, uh, to work against him a bit as a learning disability, so he's going to need some time uh, just in terms of coaching and just learning his NFL offense and being assignment sound. So, uh, and he needs the right coach. He's not a guy that's going to handle um, a drill sergeant type coach. That's not the right fit for him. So, to me, he has a ton of potential. I think as a fourth round pick. Uh, he kind of reminds me of the Teron Armstead pick by the Saints, just a guy with a great skill set but needs time to develop, or uh, Brandon Brooks coming out of uh, Miami of Ohio when the Texans took him uh, and developed him into a nice player. So uh, I think I think Lehman is one of those players, and it's just going to come down to him going to the right team that can get that out of him. But if he doesn't go to the right team, then I don't think he'd pan out. But he's the sleeper tackle that I kind of like at this point. All right, before we end the show, let's do a top five countdown. I got five questions for you here about senior prospects, and I'll, I'll chime in, too, with some answers, but I'll let you go first. So, n- number five, is there a senior prospect that we haven't talked about that you'd like to highlight? Uh, yeah, I would say um, a player that I think is really going to end up being a star in this offseason is Obi Melifano, the safety from UConn. I think uh, just the height, weight, speed on him. Don't be surprised if he explodes at the combine uh, and he has, he did produce as a senior. So I wouldn't be at all surprised uh, if he becomes a hot prospect here leading up to the draft. I agree with you. He's number 47 in my top 50 seniors. I think he's going to be in that day two conversation. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with Chidobe Awuzie from Colorado. Uh, uh, cornerback slash safety, maybe. We have to see the position. Not the most physically talented guy in terms of the size and the speed, but another one of those players who just gets the job done on the field and a lot of impact plays. And you hear comparisons to Antoine Winfield, and that's music to my ears because Antoine Winfield was one of my favorite prospects that, uh, that I've evaluated over my career. So uh, keep an eye on Chidobe Awuzie. He's not going to test really well, but I think teams that trust the tape are going to get a pretty good player there. I don't know that he's going to be a starter in the NFL, a number one or number two corner, but uh, he's going to make a team contribute. So I'm going to go with a woozy. All right. Next on the countdown, number four, which senior prospect do you think has the most to gain throughout this pre-draft process? Well, I definitely would say uh, Malafanu would fit for that because he is a you know, size, speed, freak at 6'3", 220, just jacked up, but extremely fast. So I think uh, that that pre-draft process is really going to be a blessing for him in terms of how he wows teams athletically at the combine and in the uh, pre-draft workouts. But another guy that I would throw in there is Razul Douglas, the cornerback from West Virginia, another big defensive back, about 6'1", 6'2", 200 pounds, um, you know, came out of nowhere to have a big senior year with eight interceptions. I think press man teams are going to love him. I think he could run faster than expected at the combine. So I think he and uh, Melifanu are going to be some of those workout warrior types that wow teams with size speed and end up improving their draft stock. I'm right with you on Rasul Douglas. He's been on the player spotlight on the, the main page of Draft Countdown. I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, came through with a tremendous senior campaign, a ball hawk in the secondary. He's got long arms, good size. And if he runs, he doesn't have to run great. If he can run somewhere mid four fives, I think that's going to be enough yeah. to get him into day two. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and And I think that just the – 
the demand at the position and having that rare size and ball skills is just really going to help him. My pick for the player with the most to gain during this pre-draft process, I'm going to go with Davis Webb, the quarterback from California, and specifically the senior bowl. I, I just the, the senior crop of quarterbacks is lackluster, to say the least. I think Webb is the clear-cut number one. It's just a matter of how high. And, uh, you know, you talk to people in the league, Charlie. I'm interested to hear what you've heard on him. I've actually had somebody tell me that late first round is not uh, uh, out, of the po- out of the range of possibility for Davis Webb. And I, I think the senior bowl is going to be huge for him. But I just think if he performs well in Mobile and as this process plays out and teams are looking for quarterbacks, they look at their options. They're all so inexperienced, these, these top ones. Trubisky, one year as a starter. Kaiser only has two years as a starter. Uh, Kaya was uh, uh, an underclassman. Watson's an underclassman. I just think Davis Webb has a real opportunity here in these next few months to sell a team and convince them that he's their guy because there's a lot to like about Davis Webb. But what have you heard about him in stock? Yeah, I've heard mixed things in terms of uh, early in the year, I know some. I heard from one team who said their West Coast scout liked him a lot more than uh, they liked Jared Goff last year. So there, there are teams that uh, really are intrigued with him. But I've also heard some that feel, well, obviously the the offense wasn't great preparation for the NFL, and as we've seen with Goff, but Webb needs to improve decision making, reading the field working through progressions, but he has a big arm. He's got plenty of upside to develop. So I think that's a great call, Scott, because we've seen quarterbacks at the senior bowl rise with that opportunity. And I could see if he does well there and shows that he can transition pretty quickly into a pro style system and read the field and work through progressions. I think he could become a hot prospect and I wouldn't be at all surprised if he ends up on day two. All right, number three on the countdown. Which two senior prospects, one good and one bad, in your, has your opinion changed most on since the start of the season? So who, who's your opinion improved of and who's, it, uh, uh, who's it gone down since the start of the year? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, in terms of opinion going down, uh, one that sticks out to me would be Connor McDermott, the tackle from UCLA. I was really underwhelmed with how he played as a senior. I was excited for him. I thought he had day two potential, but just as a senior, he looked stiff, uh, looked like kind of a right tackle only player in the NFL and a guy that's more developmental for day three than, you know, being a day two prospect, like I thought he could be uh, entering the senior year. And it started with Miles Garrett and the season opener and just kind of went from there on a week to week basis. So he's definitely a player that I think, um, you know, kind of went bad over his senior year. And then for a player that went well, you know, I, I, it's tough to, pick one but one that sticks out to me is Demarcus Walker from Florida State Uh, I know last year teams were giving him a second day grade uh, just in the anticipation that he might come out early but then as a senior he had a huge season um, really came up in the clutch and I played better than I expected he would 
was more consistent at getting after the quarterback. He has some athletic limitations, being a kind of that tweener body type at 6'3", 280. But I wouldn't be surprised if he goes early in the second round or even gets some late first consideration with the way uh, he got after the quarterback and rushed from the inside and outside. And I think just that pass rushing ability puts him in demand with some teams. And I think he really took advantage of that senior year to improve and, and help himself. For me, in terms of somebody who my opinions improved of, I mentioned a couple of the, the options earlier in the show, Corey Davis from Western Michigan, Jordan Lewis from uh, a cornerback from Michigan. But I'm going to go with Taylor Moten, uh, the offensive lineman from Western Michigan, uh, can play right tackle, probably more of a guard. Uh, a power player. If you if you want to run the ball and, and maul people, he's going to be your guy. And and uh, not quite. Uh, he's a little bigger than Josh Garnett last year, but I think back to Lakin Tomlinson, uh, Gabe Jackson, Larry Warford. I think he very much fits it in that mold of player. So uh, he's definitely a player that, that that jumped out at me and improved my opinion of him this year. And in the other direction, uh, Devontae Fields, uh, the defensive end, outside linebacker from Louisville. Mm-hmm. Coming into the year, I actually had him as one of my top 10 senior prospects overall. Uh, just other than Tim Williams, I think in, in, in terms of just sheer burst off the edge, there might be nobody better than him than Tim Williams, but uh, very slight. I don't think he can play defensive end in the NFL. I don't think he's going to hold up, so he's going to have to be an outside linebacker. Had a disappointing senior campaign. Um, has some off-the-field issues that are going to have to be evaluated closely. So at one point, I thought Devontae Fields could be a, a top 50 type of player, whereas now maybe he falls to day three. Yeah, I could see that, absolutely. The the off-the-field is going to be critical for him in the uh, combine meetings and on pre-draft visits. I mean, he really needs to ace that and show accountability and show that he's matured um, because if he doesn't, then I think he's definitely going to slip to the third day of the draft. And I would agree with you on Moten as well. I was, uh, you know, I wasn't really expecting a whole lot out of him, and I came away impressed. He's a real solid player. I think he could be a right tackle in the NFL. I think he could be a good guard, like you said. I think he's going to be a asset as a run blocker as a pro, and I think he has the potential to just be a well-rounded, solid, offensive lineman so he really impressed me as a junior or as a senior and I wasn't expecting him to be as good as he was when I first started watching him so he's definitely a guy that I think could also help himself at senior bowl all right question number two on the countdown which non-first round senior prospect has the most star potential if everything clicks and you can define star potential however you want but uh Who do you you think beyond the first round, who do you think has a chance to really hit big and and maybe be a star in the league? Well, I think, uh, you know, some of these fringe first rounders, I would say, like, say, uh, Jared Davis. I think he could be a star linebacker in the NFL. I think Corey Davis could be a number one wide receiver in the NFL and end up being a star wide out maybe not as good as say Julio Jones or AJ Green but I think he has the potential to be you know kind of in that next group of really excellent receivers guys like DeAndre Hopkins or uh, Des Bryant I think Corey Davis could end up being a real steal Uh, so to me those two guys really stand out as having star potential but they might not go in the first round yeah, and, and for me, 
you know, I, I was thinking about this quite a bit, and I'm going to go with Jamal Williams, the running back from BYU. Uh, and, and, of course, the running back position this year is going to be dominated by talk of the underclassmen, the Leonard Fournette, the Dalvin Cooks. But uh, to me, Jamal Williams, the top senior, that doesn't even necessarily mean he's a date day two pick uh, you might be a day three pick but so much with running backs it depends on the situation you go into and if Jamal Williams lands in the right situation in the middle round uh, I think he has potential to maybe be a star so I'm going to go with Jamal Williams there where are you at on the senior running backs is he your top senior running back or do you prefer someone else where do you think the first senior running backs are going to come off the board yeah that's a great question I mean to me I think he's definitely in the running uh, for my top senior running back. And I think that he could go in the third round. It wouldn't surprise me if he did. I think I don't think he'd get out of the fourth round. But, uh, yeah, I think when you look in those mid-rounds, you see some absolute steals at the position, uh, even you know recently with guys like David Johnson. And I think uh, last year, um, uh, gosh, name's escaping me with the Seahawks. Um, CJ Prosize? Precise, yes, thank you. Uh, but yeah, I think you know Williams could be that kind of guy this year. It wouldn't surprise me if he's that steel running back from the mid rounds of this draft class. But you know, senior running backs often get pushed down because of the underclassmen, and there's so many between Fournette and Dalvin Cook and McCaffrey and Kamara. And, uh, Foreman and I mean Joe Mixon I mean there's just so many McNichols, Brian Hill, Gallman I mean there's just so many of them uh, that are probably going to be going off the board it pushes senior running backs down but I think uh, looking at my rankings I have him right up there as the top senior back yeah, and I think we have, uh, by my count, as of right now, we have 17 underclassmen running backs who have declared so far. So uh, definitely a position that's going to be bolstered by the young guys. All right, last question on the countdown. If you had total control on an NFL team, which senior prospect would you make sure ended up on your roster? So if you're Kevin Costner in the movie Draft Day, you're going to write this name no matter what on a piece of paper. Who's it going to be? I would take Jonathan Allen. I, it, in my opinion, he's the safest, most polished, well-rounded player. You've seen two years of tape of him being a successful pass rusher at the highest level of competition, playing longer seasons than most college players play um, because he's been at Alabama with the conference championship and then the playoff games. So he's already almost playing a 16 game schedule and he's staying consistent getting after the quarterback in a variety of spots, being a tough run defender, good worker leader. Uh, to me, he's just checks all the boxes. And if there was one senior prospect that I had to come away with, it would be him. And, and uh, you can't go wrong with Jonathan Allen. And, and for me, I'm a little bit more conservative uh, in, in when, in when it comes to questions like this. So I'm going to go with the blocker. And, and for me, it was kind of close between Dan Feeney and Forrest Lamp. So whichever I can get the better value on, I want to get one of those two guys because uh, they might not be superstars, but I know what I'm getting. There's, there's some cost certainty with both of them. Um, and with Lamp, I'd probably give a slight edge to just because there's at least a possibility of him maybe being able to play tackle, but I, I want one of those blockers. So I'm going to go with Forrest Lamp as my pick. Uh, Charlie, we've yeah, been talking for over an hour. Oh, yeah, sorry. I was just going to say uh, Allen's a top-of-the-draft pick, and I know that's a bit of cheating. So uh, if I had to throw another one in there, I'd say Corey Davis. I'd be shocked if he isn't a good pro receiver. 
Excellent. Excellent. Well, before we let you go, Charlie, I want to make sure to give you a chance to uh, let everyone know where they can follow you on Twitter and read your stuff. Yeah, I'm at, uh, my Twitter handle is Draft Campbell. I write at WalterFootball.com, and uh, you can find everything that I'm posting on Twitter or there on the site at Walter Football. All right, Charlie, thanks so much for coming on. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me, Scott. Great talking with you, buddy. Have a good one. You too. And with that, I'm going to call it a show. And as of right now, there are 103 days, one hour, 49 minutes, and 54 seconds left until the 2017 NFL Draft. Tick tock.